Hi, I'm your host, George Sanders, and this is Humanity Matters Most, the podcast where we bring you behind-the-scenes perspectives on the projects of the prominent researchers from the University of Houston College of Liberal Arts and Social Sciences. On this episode, our guests are from Arte Publico Press, Veronica Romero and Dr. Gabriela Beza Ventura, and they will be discussing a year-long project where they worked with Houston ISD to teach young students about the digital humanities and using digital archives to explore their history. Hi, I'm Veronica Romero, and this is Humanities Matter Most. Today, I'm going to talk to Dr. Gabriela Baeza Ventura, an Associate Professor of Hispanic Studies at UH and the Deputy Director of Arte Publico Press. She is also the Co-Director of the U.S. Latino Digital Humanities Center, along with Dr. Carolina Villarroel. Today, we are going to learn about digital humanities and how it can be useful for elementary students. But heads up, the conversation will take place in a combination of English and Spanish. Hola, Gaby. Bienvenida. Muchas gracias. So let's begin with a broad question so we are all on the same page. Could you explain to us what digital humanities means? Sure. Uh, digital humanities means is, is when you apply technology into a humanities research question. So, for instance, when we asked the question about if Latinos were writing uh, in the U.S. before 1960, we have the data. We identify these writers. We can demonstrate this in a variety of ways. We can do a map that, uh, that places like all these writers across the U.S. You can also do a digital exhibit where you, you know, showcase all those publications. Or you can also do a digital timeline and present all of those writers in a chronological order. There's a variety of ways in which you can do this. You're basically adding technology so that you can lay this data in virtual spaces, right? And you can share it freely and openly and uh, make it more accessible to communities in English and Spanish. And, and, and it's easily um, accessible through your telephone. And it is actually a combination of different disciplines, right? It is not only humanities scholars working on projects, but it's also a combination of different scholars from different fields. Exactly. It's a collaborative project, right? And so you have a collaborative work. So you have scholars, like you said, from many disciplines, but also from different ranges. So you have, you know, scholars or people who are doing just work in technology, who are coding, who are you know, thinking about all of the software, but then you also have people who are doing the translating, for instance, okay. or people who are, are checking to make sure that all of these materials are accessible to our larger audiences. Uh, you have the scholars who, maybe not just only scholars, but also people who are thinking of the research questions that you want to apply. So the idea, as you said, it's to be open to adding technology to different areas of the humanities. And I understand you began training students at Burnett Elementary School where fifth graders work on a digital timeline project. Mm -hmm. ¿Nos explicas cómo fue este proceso que hacían con los estudiantes? Sure. So este proceso, the, the, the way the project started was we received uh, some funding. And it was always our dream to take the, the work that we do and the workshops that we do with graduate and undergraduate students and community members into the K through 12 uh, classroom. And so we spoke with teachers and the, the principal at David G. Burnett Elementary, and uh, they gave us the opportunity to pair one of the workshops that we do on a digital timeline with a, a lesson plan on history. Right. So the students at Burnett Elementary were uh, identifying all the historical leaders from the Texas history mm -hmm. and they were going to um, create reports on all of these you know, different leaders. And so what we did is we took our archival materials from the Recovering the U.S. Hispanic Literary Heritage Program. And, and, and those archives contain a lot of information about Texas and Latino leaders. And uh, we took them to the students. We showed them, you know, how to use the archive, how to research in the archive. 
And then we taught them how to make a digital timeline with, with, with these skills. We received some funding from uh, LULAC Council 60, which is, is a historical LULAC that helped us fund some of the like lunches and some of the activities, a mm-hmm. final like um, release when the timeline was completed, and also an internship for a student who was studying to become a teacher, okay. uh, Ms. Brianna Damian. Okay. And I had the opportunity to talk to Ana Gutierrez, who was the fourth grade Spanish teacher at Bonnet dual language program, and she explained the impact of this DH project on her students. I think this helped them have a different perspective toward the world and history. Many of them had not been exposed to too much history besides what they had been told each year. For example, these are the states, these are the laws, but they had not had a chance to explore what history is. Gaby, ¿cómo era un día de entrenamiento con estos pequeños investigadores? Eh, ¿Cuánto tiempo duró el programa? ¿Qué hacían cuando llegaban a las clases? ¿Cómo era la, la interacción de los niños? El Thirty or forty, about thirty weeks. We would go every Friday in the morning and work with three different classes during the history lessons, and we taught students how to use an Excel sheet mm-hmm. to add data about each of the topics that they were being assigned. So, for instance, uh, they were talking about the the missions in Texas. They were talking about the the Texas leaders. They were talking about the indigenous communities that lived in this area. They had to go online and, and use some of the, the history databases that, the, that, that are available to them through HISD. They had to do the research there, write it down on paper, write it first, and then take that information and then type it into the Excel sheet, into a Google Excel sheet. Mm-hmm. They were all working on the same Google Excel sheet. It was a lot of fun seeing the, like the little kids practicing writing skills, like you know typewriting, but also understanding how to work in collaboration with other students because you know they would inevitably erase each other's data. You know, uh-huh. begin to write over each other. They began to understand that there were connections that you know that they were making across the rooms, right? Because they were understanding that, for instance, one student had identified that the missions there was something very specific about a mission that was taken place maybe that, that had been settled in uh, in, in Isleta, Texas, for uh-huh. instance, that had a lot of similarities with the one in Socorro. And so they began to draw those conclusions themselves and like talk to each other about that. Hey, you know, why is my mission is doing this? What is yours doing? And so they had a little bit of competition about that. Uh, students also had to identify images that they wanted to associate with the research topic that they were working on. Uh-huh. And so it was really beautiful to see how the students were understanding the role that they had in creating history, right? And the, the, the significance of, of their perspective, you know, how, how we can make history ourselves. It doesn't matter whatever level you're at academically, what language you speak, because a lot of these students, we are working with a dual language program. So mm-hmm. most, a lot of these students, their primary and first language is Spanish. Some of them still don't have enough skills in English to write in English, but they were doing all the research in Spanish. Right. And so and this was beautiful and like very accommodating from the school where some of the timelines were fully done in bilingually in English and Spanish. Some Mm -hmm. were done all in English. 
and and you can see like how they interspersed the the language that's that's how it happened so we went for a whole year and mm -hmm. um, worked directly with with the students and the teacher and on and there were a couple of weeks when we didn't go and on those off weeks the teacher had the students uh, revise right and correct some of the things that that they had inputted and then um, they had to go back and like revisit some of the things that were missing. And then they began to help each other where students began to identify that maybe some were better at typing while mm -hmm. others were better at researching. And so then students would dictate to each other. It was really empowering to see how students began to understand like the collaborative work of, of doing this type of, of work, but also the impact that this was going to have on, on the, the general audiences that were going to see it because it was going to be truly their perspective. Let's listen to one of these students and her impressions about her, her experience. Hola, mi nombre es Elena Pluker Villarroel. Estoy en el cuarto grado y mi escuela se llama Bern David G. Burnett Domingo Elementary School. We had a lot of people, so we couldn't do you this, you that, and they couldn't do all alike. So we had teams like all of the Comanches get together, all of these get together okay so then um we all had groups oh okay and how did you know what you need to do when you were working in a team the mm. teams would either be in three or in two so mm. there would be a story and then one of the persons would either would write it and then another person would try to find a picture and then the other person would put it in the in the website so i was the person who put it in the website and The, my other friends would do the rest. What did you learn that you really do not know anything about? Like, did you did you know how to search on Google or did you know how to copy and paste? I didn't know two things. I didn't know how to copy and paste. Some One of my friends had to show me how to do it. And then I didn't, like, I didn't understand the website. Because at the beginning, it was really confusing because everything was, like, out of order at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard to find places because sometimes people would get confused and think this is, like, this is what they were writing. So they would get to that, but actually that wasn't what they were writing. Mm -hmm. So that they got somebody else's. So it would be really confusing and hard. <laughs> I thought they already had a good idea because we assumed that kids are already more advanced in technology than we are. But when the time came to input the data into the spreadsheets, we were a bit stuck. So I had to stop everything and say, well, here's where you put the information. We're all working on the same sheet. So please make sure you don't work on someone else's row. Gaby, por lo que hemos escuchado hasta ahorita y un poco lo que nos estás explicando, ese aprendizaje que tienen los niños en este tipo de proyectos va mucho más allá de las, humanes, de las humanidades digitales o de un proyecto en particular, uh -huh. porque les están enseñando herramientas para su vida. Uh -huh. Están aprendiendo a colaborar, a delegar, a ver quién es el líder o quién tiene más habilidades para hacer una actividad en particular. Y eso los va a ayudar no solo en sus siguientes etapas educativas, sino que va a ser incluso eh, parte de, de las herramientas que van a tener cuando entren al mundo laboral, mucho uh -huh. más adelante. ¿Eso es parte del paquete que ofrecen las humanidades digitales a sí. quienes las estudian? Sí, yo diría que sí. I mean, absolutely. When, when you learn to do 
digital humanities, you begin to see yourself as a, as an important team member, right, of a project that has, you know, a long-lasting impact in, in the different skills that you begin to develop because you begin to see how each person is integral to the project, right? And then you also begin to see how your contributions to the project can enhance the, the, the project itself or even, like, take it onto another phase we always talk about how digital humanities is always done in phases. So the phase one of the project is mm -hmm. whatever like I imagine it to be. The second phase will be once I release it, what do other uh, audience members, our users are going to do with it, right? Mm -hmm. And how are they going to incorporate it? And how are they going to make it their own? And that's one of the skills that we wanted to share very you know, thoroughly with our students, with the students that we work with. We uh, empower them by telling them, you know, this is the way you imagine the history and and we we often said when a lot of times when when kids were reticent about working on a specific you know on a specific assigned topic for instance when they had to work on the missions a lot of kids uh, didn't understand the importance of the of las misiones right mm -hmm. and so one one time one kid said well you know i think the missions are boring because church is really boring i don't like to go to church it's it's really mm -hmm. boring and so i said well you know think about it how would you be able to convince your friends to look at your, the slide that you're putting together about your mission, mm -hmm. right? How can how can you make it interesting to them? And so he went online and he researched all the images that he could find and he identified one that he really liked, which was one that had a window and a, a little dog playing outside the church. And so he said, when I go to church, I like to, I want, I want for sure for there to be a window so that I can look out in case... I start to get bored, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and there always has to be a dog because dogs are always fun. And so, and so when he wrote the, the text that accompanied the mission, he, he, um, he was, uh, he was able to, um, express a lot of, like, of, of emotion and happiness about the, the, the topic that he before had thought that it was really boring. Mm -hmm. And so, we wanted to make sure that they took ownership of the of the research in that way so that they can present it right and they can understand that these projects that we're creating outlive us right mm -hmm. they're there for us right now as we're working on them as as they're doing it to get a grade but then you know then they also had to present it to to the community members that came to see it and and beyond that uh community members would have to take whatever knowledge they can from them and then you know make it their own you know share it etc so I think that's that's the beauty of the digital humanities that you complete a project. It's it, that's why it almost feels like it's never ending because there are always so many other phases that could you know that could occur after that. Yeah. And and I think that this is very interesting because one of the lessons that Mrs. Gutierrez remembers the most is how these kids were exposed to different sources of information, mm -hmm. how they had like different perspectives that before they didn't have. So let's listen what she said about it. Cuando estamos estudiando de la guerra civil, um, claro que se habla de la esclavitud. When we studied the Civil War, of course we discussed slavery, and we have African-American students in the class. They were able to connect to the material and say, oh, my great-grandfather was a slave, and I didn't know that person owned enslaved people, and that opened their eyes. We are used to giving students information and then telling them, well, this is the way it is, and this is the information that you're going to learn. But I think with the help of this program, we had the opportunity to explore different points of view. I think that the opportunity to be independent and explore allowed them to enjoy history and become interested in it. 
Gaby, and the teacher talks about collaborative work, computer literacy, etc. But these are not necessarily skills that everyone is working with. Mm -hmm. So what does USLDH offer to help people to develop these abilities? Mm -hmm. Particularly, I don't know, what happened if somebody from the community wants to learn about mm -hmm. digital humanities? So one of the things that uh, our, our center, our USLDH center does is We provide training on just on, on basic archives, right? What does it mean to have an archive? We talk extensively with students about how an archive begins at home with the photo albums that we have at home, mm -hmm. with the stories that our grandparents tell us, our family, our, you know, our elders, all that intergenerational knowledge that we often feel is not part of, of history. Mm -hmm. So we begin to like address, like, what does it mean to have history, to have literature, So, you know, I think this is one of the important skills that USLDH, you know, brings. We also validate language. Students could, could work in, in any language that they wanted, in, in either English or Spanish, of course. And, and these are things that, that are part of the, of the training that, the USLD, that USLDH and the archives, you know, that we bring into the communities is uh, reinforces, right? That our history, our, the knowledge that we bring from our immigrant backgrounds or non-immigrant, you know, if we're native to the United States, We carry a lot of a lot of history and a lot of information about about our heritage mm -hmm. that is extremely valuable and that is validated as we begin to create a lot of these projects because okay. any research that we do any you know any academic work that we do is always influenced by that cultural you know baggage that we that we bring with us yeah I mean your yeah. identity also mm -hmm. goes with the project that you exactly. work exactly yeah mm -hmm. exactly. Gabby, do you plan to continue with Junior Scholars Program? What comes next? Absolutely. We have, we're in the process of developing a plan and protocols on how to institute the Junior Scholars Program in other schools. Uh, some schools have actually re reached out to us about bringing the program to, to the schools to put it into practice with the students. So these are the things that we're, we're working on right now. We're hoping to get um, additional funding so that we can extend it to at least to another school and, and continue to prepare undergraduate and graduate students who want to get trained and, and do the program themselves mm -hmm. at, at the school so that hopefully we can begin to extend it to more than just uh, one school like we did last year. And is there anything else that you would like to share before we close this episode? Uh, sure. I mean, we want you to follow us on social media to continue to learn more about the work that the Center for U.S. Latino Digital Humanities is doing here at the University of Houston. Soon we'll be, we will be having our conference for the Recovering the U.S. Hispanic Literary Heritage Program in April. And just keep, you know, keep us in mind as you think about like um, about how to incorporate, you know, archives. And, and if you think about how Latinos, you know, have been writing and have been present in the U.S. since the colonial period up until yeah, until now, you know, we are a very good uh, source of information for that. So details for the recovery conference and about the USLDH program are available at Arte Publico website? Yes, uh -huh, under the Digital Humanities uh, tab. Okay, so if you want to know more about the digital timeline at Burnett Elementary School and USLDH, follow the Latino U.S. Digital Humanities Center on social media at Recovery Hispanic Heritage and at Arte Publico or using the hashtag USLDH. Thanks for listening. This episode was brought to you by the College of Liberal Arts and Social Sciences at the University of Houston and Arte Publico Press. We would like to extend a special thank you to the Center for Student Media for their assistance as well. The team consists of host, producer, and sound engineer George Sanders, producer Loria Smith, and graphic designer Nidhita Green. 
Our intro and outro song was provided by Dizzy Gold. If you would like to know more about our podcast and to find previous episodes, you can find us at www.uh.edu forward slash class.